0: Hey everybody, it's T with Abduction Enigma podcast. This week we're going to be interviewing Luke Shanahan. He's an experienced ufology social media manager and is running two internationally known and respected Facebook groups with over 30,000 members and it's growing. He is from Queensland, Australia, and he's had an interest in UFOs since he was a boy. Luke has a thorough knowledge of astronomy and ufology and has interviewed very well-known experiencers it's my great pleasure to be interviewing luke he reached out to me we talked for probably two hours getting to know each other amazing intelligent guy
1: so please check out luke's work um all right so we're talking about the fermi paradox and um It gets brought up a lot, especially um, from a a scientific background, a scientist, astrophysics, all that sort of stuff, because it was brought up in the 50s, um, actually, when he was having a conversation with um, other friends of his, and he brought it up during a a lunchtime meeting um, after apparently he'd he'd seen some um, UFO material being released. Um, it, it could have been, uh, it could have been actually Roswell or one of the other cases, the, the Arnold case, um, could have been either of those. But anyway, the story goes on, he, he was sitting at lunch and it popped into his head that he said, where is everyone? Meaning um, where, where are all the extraterrestrials and um, the question that follows that is why aren't they contacting us if they're they're around, if they've been around. And there's so many of them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been the the, the main thing with uh, the Fermi paradoxes, he stated that and now it's now it's used all through scientific, it's all over YouTube, everyone's using it. And um, it, kind of, it kind of bugs me because um, it doesn't It doesn't dive into things enough. It's just a general statement. And um, I could could have a go at it straight away and just saying, well, if there there are UFO reports back then and um, he's coming up with that statement, um, where's his research? Because he's just made the statement with no research backing that statement um so that's that's my first argument and um the second argument is to do with research and you have to have a lot of that to back up yourself with evidence evidence of course in this field is extremely hard especially when someone goes where's the proof and it's not as hard as people think when have something to back it up. And quite honestly, um, there's if you look into it, there's so much evidence out there that it's it's just crazy. Um, you've you've where do I start? Uh, you got people in the military, you got police backgrounds, uh, you got pilots, airline pilots, all reporting these things. Now, these guys are trained professionals, then they're, they're not. You're not your Joe Blow drinking moonshine out the backyard. Um, These guys are professionals and they're not going to, they're not going to come up and make these stories up. Well, I'd be extremely doubtful in uh, those kind of positions, especially uh, the ridicule they'll cop from their, um, their mentors and seniors. So, some cases, uh, such as the Rendlesham Forest incident, um, there are multiple military witnesses. That was over three days, uh, that particular incident. Uh, in 19, 1980, um, I could go on to say that uh, one of those individuals actually saw the craft, went to investigate, his name was Jim Peniston. Um, he took two other officers with him, but he was he was the one in charge. Uh, he sent one of those officers back and there was only one left. Uh, so the story goes on to say he went into the forest to investigate this UFO or light that was originally thought to be a downed plane. So the story goes. Um, so they went to investigate and they saw lights in the forest um walked walked on and later on saw a triangular shaped craft and this was hovering just above the ground and um it was illuminated so I'll uh, I'll cut it short the story because it's it, it's quite um it's quite an in-depth story uh Jim Pedersen actually went to the craft or walked up to the craft physically touched it and um, later on, it was, he perceived what was binary code from touching this particular craft. And the story gets pretty interesting from there, because he wrote, he wrote that down just from his thoughts. Uh, um, in his book that was um, coming out, uh, I think it was called The Reddish Enigma. I've, I've read it 700 pages. And it goes, it's highly in depth. And um, Gary Osman wrote that, Um, he was the author. And um, he helped Jim decode the actual binary code in this this book. And it goes on to state that these codes were linked to uh, different major sites over Earth, like the Giza pyramids, for instance, that was one of them. And there's, there's about five or six others that are all linked, uh, the, the Nazca lines, I think were another one and there's, yeah, there's several major sites, but this all came from, um, touching this craft. So, um, I don't, something like that to be a coincidence is rather odd. I would think, um, so. Yeah, make of it what you will, um, this, this that was the story. And uh, that's just one, one incident that happened. And like I said, there are uh, many military officers that witnessed this event. Uh, you could go on to say about the pilots. Uh, there's, there's just so many amount of sightings from um, airline pilots and they're especially coming forward now that We've got all these whistleblowers um, coming forward, and they're they're feeling a lot more confident. Uh, it's not the stigma is not so much attached to the subject anymore, and it's 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 quite uh, refreshing to see see this happening, um, because the the stigma surrounding the subject for such a long time um, and ridicule people. You know people are just laughing off and roll their eyes and say, Oh, what a load of nonsense! and you know, tin four hats and all that jazz, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. For um, for all these high, high credential um people coming forward and um, saying this is kind of concreting the fact that they're. This uh, phenomenon is real and there is something to investigate. That is for sure. Now, to say who is operating them, that's a whole different ballgame. We don't know who's operating them, uh, especially uh, after the, uh, everyone's seen the the Core Bell videos that were released and the tic tac the the go fast uh, the nimitz incidents with uh commander Frava, um f-16 pilot and um yeah these these reports from that have um basically opened pandora's box on the subject now it's across the media um People aren't laughing at it anymore. Um, NASA have jumped on board with an investigation. I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Yeah, so this is now a worldwide phenomenon that's being realized and um, not not being taken as a joke anymore. It's actually, uh, like I said, it's refreshing to see all this happening.
0: So, what would be the most convincing evidence that you have heard? Would it be probably Rendlesham, or is there something else that convinced you?
1: That's a big question, there, oh. Tal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let let me just uh, let me just compute that for a second. Um, yeah, um, there's there's quite a number of cases. The ones that stand out. Uh, probably the, the, the bigger cases, the Walton, uh, the Cash Landrum, and there's a few others, Be- Betty and Barney Hill um, was very convincing. I mean, these people went in, uh, Betty and Barney Hill went into a hypnotist and they got regressed. Um, she actually drew out a star map um, from her head, which, um, Think matched the Zeta Reticuli constellation um, from memory. So that that for someone to do that from regression and memorize that and just randomly is quite amazing. And that for me, you know that that was some signals that me that that was a few of the earlier ones I've, I've looked at the cases that uh, really stood out and um, uh, yeah well that's that's another thing we can we can talk about if you want a bit later on is the abduction scenario and we can get into that a bit deeper if you want of course later on um, so is there anything you want to talk about tell um, any questions um honestly
0: just so the audience can get to know you like what made you want to get into ufos or what brought you into ufos
1: what brought me into ufos yeah um well when i was when i was very young um i was I was very much into science fiction I um, loved, loved Star Trek, Star Wars and all that, big fan. And um, I was just fascinated with uh, space travel, basically and uh, the warp drives and how they worked and how they ticked and uh, the weapons and everything. I found it fascinating. And uh, that, that got me thinking one day when I, I got a bit older I I thought well you know what what if this someone or something has already got this technology and then I um I started researching and then found out about UFOs and um all the cases the stories and um yeah long story short here I am
0: very similar to my own yeah now me and you we had talked before and you were telling me that you know a little bit about astronomy and some physics and stuff like that as well yep does that play into this phenomenon at all for
1: you um yeah it does it does it plays a lot into it Because, um, yeah, well, where do I start? Um, Well, it plays in a lot because you have to have these type of this type of knowledge, physics and an understanding of the universe, um, how it works, how it ticks. um, And once you can get a grasp of that, You can, you can start, you can start doing things with physics and, um, manipulating, um, you can manipulate space time and all that sort of stuff. Once, once you get the knowledge and how to do it and how to invent it, make it, discover it, and then, then apply it. And that's, um, it's all to do with physics. And um, this is, this is um, why I I looked at Einstein's theories quite a bit and um, especially the Rosen Bridge, Einstein-Rosen Bridge, which is an actual wormhole theory, Uh, it connects two points in space, space space-time together through a wormhole and that's extremely interesting because um, that kind of goes back to the Fermi paradox too, is where are they all? Well, they're everywhere <laughs> and they're not, they're not traveling billions and millions of kilometers or miles. Um, they've in, they've, they're smart enough. If they're smart enough, they've invented a way through physics to get here a lot quicker. And that would be through wormholes. That would be the quickest way, or, as we know in science fiction, stargates as well, um, which is a very interesting concept. And um, there's only one problem: why we we can't have wormholes at the moment, and that's the amount of power it produces. create one and keep one stable Um, now our understandings of physics obviously won't won't push those boundaries quite yet but um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a few a few guys in an underground bunker working in lab coats trying to figure this out Um, most definitely is but um, anyway getting back to the the topic of wormholes This, um, an advanced species would have figured this out, um, a long time ago, if they had been around for a very long time, say a million years, a couple of million years, um, like I was saying earlier, when we spoke in the week, um, I said, well, we've gone from the horse and the cart to to the Veyron in, um, just a, a couple of centuries. Now you push that forward a few thousand years and imagine what kind of tech we have then and what, how physics would be then. And then multiply that by a factor and make it a million years or a few million years. Um, the understanding of physics we would have would be what we would perceive as magic now, it be we, we couldn't comprehend it. So um, yeah, it's, it's all to do with time. And how much time you've got, and the the further the further ahead you get in technology, the more understanding of physics as well um, you're going to have, and these things are going to become possible in the future. Maybe, perhaps not in our lifetimes, but it will happen. And um, I used to have a mate that I said, oh, one day you'll see flying cars. And he used to laugh at me he said, oh, rubbish, nonsense. And now we're getting flying cars. We're going to have flying Ubers everywhere. I mean, it started off as drones, but now it's got moving to flying cars and flying vehicles. Um, so, yeah, anyway, these, these technologies will come. Um, I don't know when they'll come, but they will come. Um, they're moving forward all the time. I mean,'ve we've, we've got technologies now where they they're starting to replace um, weapons with lasers in the targeting systems that they're replacing uh, weapons with their, their common weapons, the missiles and um, so on with lasers. Um, and also uh, another technology, it's an older technology, but it's now being going to be used on ships called the railgun. Uh, very powerful weapon. Uh, let me think, has anyone seen, if anyone's seen Transformers, there's, there's a good, even though it's science fiction, there's a good demonstration of it in that movie. And um, yeah, it's a very powerful weapon. Um, so these, these technologies, uh, are going to be groundbreaking in the future. Um, and especially, especially when we start inventing wormholes and I'll even dare say time travel. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big one time travel because, um, pe- there's such a big paradox surrounding going back in time. And going forward in time. Now, if you go f- forward in time, that's possible because we, basic one oh one science says that the the more the faster you travel, time slows down. That's Einstein's theory. As you approach the speed of light, time slows down even more. So how much we don't know exactly but it does slow down Uh, it's been proven with clocks sitting at ground level and they put another clock a lot higher and they've these these are top-notch clocks they're perfect in their chronological um order and they put them one one at ground level and one higher and they set them set them going and then they stop them and the one that is higher is different to the one that's lower. So, and that, that is because, because of the way physics works and, um, the gravity of the earth distorts space time, basically. And the bigger an object is, the bigger it's going to distort the space time. So, the more of an effect you're going to get with um, time dilation. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know whether I'm, I'm getting into it too much here, Tal. but. Um. No,
0: I, I think you're being very articulate about it, you know. And it's good that these kind of things get to the public and they're able to take a look at it and take that journey with you as well. Mm. So, I, I think you're doing just fine. Um, this goes right in with the UFO phenomena in my opinion
1: yeah I like I like to dive into it a little deeper so um, people can people understand that the nitty-gritty of the the physics behind it um, because it yes yeah, like I said like I said once we figure it out um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be groundbreaking um, especially, especially with travel, um, we won't need to use uh, jets or any any sort of aircraft in the future, we we can um, I'll, I'll dare say it, we we could probably figure out teleportation, but probably not in our lifetimes. And yes, that is Star Trek stuff where you hop in a machine, it deconstructs you and then reconstructs you somewhere else. And uh, that, I wouldn't like to be the first person that tries that. I'll put that way, Tal.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't blame you
0: on that. And interestingly enough, even in Terry Lovelace's abduction, you know, the book, at the, or the book, The Incident at Devil's Den, when he was in the woods being abducted, he actually reported that very thing where it seemed like they almost dematerialized once they went into a light. So it's not too out there, you know? I think that's within our capabilities. Look, cell phones were on Star Trek before they were banned. And that's a thing we all have now and deeply rely on. So, I mean, it's very possible.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's ab- absolutely possible. I mean, anything you can think of could be possible. I mean, um, I mean, all these technologies um, years ago. If you you went back in time, I think I discussed this with you. If you you got an iPhone or something and went back in time and gave that to a person in the the fifties or sixties they don't think you're from another planet. They, they would, it'd be surreal to them. It'd be like magic, that kind of technology. And um, it would probably be really scary, actually. Or either scary or very intriguing for them. So unfortunately, we can't go back in time. We can go forward in time like I, I mentioned before. And there's also a problem with going forward in time. Um, The faster you go, the more mass you need to create the acceleration. So when you approach the speed of light, you almost need infinite infinite amount of mass to approach that speed of light. Um, That is why it's so difficult. Uh, So that's another reason why I think if ETs have discovered FTL it's, um, it's not going to be related to the actual getting to the speed of light through um, the physical way. We, we think you hop in a rocket and it accelerates to the speed of light. Um, I think, I think it's done completely diff- in a different manner. Um, Now, such as um, the Alkabir Warp Drive. Um, Now, that's interesting because he thought of that idea through Star Trek. He was watching Star Trek and he thought, what if we can invent this? What if we can um, create this in uh, real life? So he went to work trying to figure it out. And there is a possibility of a way to do it. And um, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with with uh, the Alcubierre warp drive tale, but um, it's contracting space time. Um, it's basically it travels in a a bubble, a field, and it contracts space time, and exerts it out the back. And it's basically the, the easiest way I could say, it's like a surfer on a wave. You're traveling, but you're not traveling. You'll get, you're getting pushed by this wave. So you're not actually moving in this bubble. Space-time is moving around you. It's it's um, it's, it's pretty hard to, to comprehend at first, but um, once you get some examples of it, um, they've, they've, done some good examples on YouTube. So, um, anyone can just look that up and, um, check it out. Um, I won't, I won't go into details to try to describe it. Cause it, it is anyway, again, there is a, there is a, a problem with that type of, um, system. It needs a massive amount of mass to create that energy, to create that bubble. To move that space time. And they've narrowed that mass down to the mass of about Jupiter. And that's still way, way out of the ballpark. We we can't create that amount of energy. So uh that's that's another another hurdle to get around. There's been a few other physicists that have Tried to figure this out, and this, they're still working on it. I mean, um, NASA, NASA's jumped on aboard that idea too, and they're, they're working on that as well. Um, also, you can um, you can look into that and research that. But, um, all very interesting, and yeah, if they happen to break break that idea and get it working, um, we we might see it in our lifetimes. Just maybe, but um, that's that's being very optimistic at the best. It's being really optimistic. Um, yeah. And whether they would release that to the public is another question in itself, because that's that's groundbreaking technology and um, that'll change a lot of things. Oh, that's right. Especially our people travel.
0: Well, I find it, This thought just hit me. You know, I find it really interesting. UFOs, they've got to have some form of structure. I don't mean physically. What I mean by that is, let's say we all had that capability. So I'm thinking like 200 years or more in the future. We're all able to just travel to other planets, interplanetary. Some of the people that we have on this planet... Can you really imagine them going to another sentient planet and just wreaking havoc? I, I could definitely see that. So they've got to have some kind of some kind of order to it. Almost like a galactic federation thinking about that. Somebody to rope, you know, people in because of course there's going to be bad eggs everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's that's highly possible. Um yeah uh yeah well let's let's just assume, all right, let's just assume that there is a there is a federation and it's made up of thousands of civilizations. I agree with you. Um, there would have to be a policing on that because there'd have to be some sort of order, so one civilization just doesn't go well we've got this and we're going to take you over and blow this up and that'll be the end of that and enslave your species just for our own like likes and uh yeah and um sadly I think humans might actually do that (laughs) because we're colonists that's exactly Um, what thought popped in my
0: head as you were talking was okay if we had that technology and we get to that point I could absolutely see a modern-day, let's say, a Genghis Khan or a Hitler going out there. And let's just say it's like a single craft with like seven people on board, okay? I I could just see them wreaking a little bit of havoc. It's not that they're going to rule a planet or anything like that, but if you threw some colonists on a deserted island they ran into An indigenous tribe they have the capability to do a ton of damage and that's why that thought just hit me is there's got to be some kind of system to it and i never really thought about that because i suppose i never really thought about us getting there to be honest with you
1: yeah that's that's something i did want to bring up tal as um i I really don't see there a need to be um, for that to happen just because um, i'll I'll just take a step back for a moment just because now at the moment we're we're just now just discovering so many exoplanets it's uh, I think we're over five thousand mm-hmm. at the moment right um, so that's that's just what we've discovered you know in a few decades of um, research now fast forward that to another say 100 years we have better technology better telescopes and those those numbers are going to be very high the exoplanets so what i'm getting at is um the the amount of planets is is just insane in in one galaxy alone, let alone trillions of galaxies. So um, what I'm getting at is there's going to be a bounty of real estate and people really shouldn't or ETs or people shouldn't be fighting over it because there's that much real estate. Um, The only problem is if someone gets greedy and wants more, they want their slice of cake. They want to eat their slice of cake and take some more. And that is possible. You can, that does happen, it happens here. Um, so that, that would create a problem. So getting back to what you said, a uh, uh, policing, it is, it is a really great mystery. And um, that's, that's one that surrounds um physicists and scientists astrophysics um even the 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 common everyday people are asking this question and uh it's it's quite fascinating because we we just don't know that's that's a that's a huge question um so we we can only see back around 14 billion years with um, with our time machines, I'll call them that because they are the the telescopes. Uh, J W S T is basically a time machine. It sees the light that's taken that long to reach reach its mirrors, and we can't see back much further than that. Maybe I might see with it's reasonably new tech. We might see sixteen, a few billion more. But what what if the universe is infinite um can anyone get their head around that that's
0: a hard one i actually just discussed that with my boss and my co-worker yesterday of how expanse the expanse of the universe and i honestly didn't know what to tell him and my boss told me he's tried to grapple with that question before. And honestly, it's a scary thought to him, which is understandable because
1: really, how do you fathom it? Yeah, well, um, that's, that's probably something you'd have to ask an ET that's been around for billions of years because they might actually have the answer to that question. But um, yeah, humans are only been around for a blink of an eye. So to speak, compared to the age of the universe. So um, yeah, that's, that's that's a fascinating question. Uh, I, I would like to cover um, um, stuff like maybe in another another chat, um, different dimensions and um, um, universes. The, uh, Multi-universe theory and um, the dimensional aspect of um, other universes being opposite ours, and maybe infinite other universes and infinite dimensions. Uh like string theory? Um, not so much. Just um, how how the um, the universe. Is constructed, not not string theory so much. Just um, I just find it fascinating that there's a possibility that there could be another you or me out there right now in another universe, but doing different things. Yeah, that is.
0: I have pondered that before as well. Um, yeah, we will have to do another show on that. That would be awesome. It, it's yeah. fun to theorize those kind of things. It gets, really, it gets the juices flowing.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, we we will cover that in another conversation because I, I could easily talk about that for um, <laughs> over 30 minutes. Well and truly. Um, let's see what else. Um, all right. All right. Let's, let's cover, let's do something else. Um, okay. Alien technology or ET technology. Um, now, Everyone's heard of um, the Lazar incident or when he first came out in the eighties and blew the whistle. And everyone's heard of the sports model that he spoke about, um, that he apparently worked on or had seen. And, um, he speaks about the gravity amplifiers, which is a very interesting and I've I've spoken to some, some pretty intelligent people that are way above me in knowing about physics and they've, they've done written books on this stuff. And once they saw a podcast with uh, him, him and Joe Rogan, I think it was Bob Lazar and Joe Rogan. He said, Bob explained those amplifiers exactly how they would work in reality. So if we were to build them and make them, that's how they would work exactly. And that's, that's, that's quite fascinating because, um, if we we have uh, recovered craft or archeologically recovered craft, not just crashed, um, that opens up a whole new box as well. Um, what technologies have we acquired from ETS? Um, where where do we sit out with that? Have, have you know? Um, Roswell was 47. So that's a long time to start a black budget program and start engineering reverse engineering craft.
0: Absolutely it is. And I think some of that could even go into, well, what what do they say? We're 10 to 20 years behind what the government actually tells us that they have. So if we have, Fairly sophisticated crafts now. I can only imagine what they do have given crashes had occurred um, and enough time to work on it, much like Bob Lazar. So yeah, I see what you're saying on that.
1: Yeah, um so let's, let's just go on out out on a limb here. Well, while I'm on the subject now, let's just assume that we have contact with ET and they are actually helping us out to make this technology. Um, well, you can forget about that, that 20 years, um, you can put more like a thousand or a thousand plus on that. Um, now it's it's very controversial um, talking about the TR three B and that that kind of thing. People believe that kind of craft is ours. There's others that think it's not that it's ET craft. Um, in my opinion, it could be both. But I honestly think we would have cruder cruder versions of whatever we find because. Uh, we just don't have the materials on earth and the, um, the knowledge. So if we're getting help from someone that has the knowledge, I mean, you, you can't put, you can't put a label on how far we've actually, uh, come in technologies and what's, what we aren't seeing behind the, behind the curtains. We we're actually, we're just, we're just guessing. So, um, I will go on to say that, but, um, that's another, that's another thing altogether. Um, the one thing we know is these, these craft, they move it like nothing we've, we've, um, we've got on earth. None, none of our aircraft can do that. Um, that the ways they can stop turn, go up hypervelocity speed, um you can't do that in a a craft it it would squish you you'd be paced basically because of the g-forces that it would take to do that and um
0: exactly and those kind of cases have been tracked on radar of that actually happening where it's here and then it appears here and then it goes here and then over to here
1: yeah like um the the tic tac um and they spoke about that 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 went from eighty thousand feet to sea level in two seconds our craft can't do that that's just crazy mm-hmm. um there's, there's no way we have something like that and if we do um my my other my other question is if we do why would china or russia or anyone else be showing that off because if If that happened to crash in enemy waters, um, they can recover that technology. Yeah. And And to put it
0: lightly, it's a game changer.
1: And if it's got a Russian or China stamp on it, oh, well, there you go. There's, there's your answer. So these are the questions we're going to ask. Um, Yeah. Who's are they? Where are they coming from? Are they off planet? Are they ours? Are they ETs and us? Yeah, and we've been asking that
0: question since, well, World War II with the Foo Fighters. I remember actually hearing how everybody was in the sky, and the Germans would ask if it was the Chinese. The Chinese would ask if it was Americans. Americans would ask if it was Germans. And nobody knew what the Foo Fighters were. So it's, yeah, essentially the same thing still going on now that I think about that.
1: Yeah,
0: I want to thank Luke again for coming on with me and just so you guys know I don't do many interviews I think I've got one more coming up this year and that's going to be it but for the most part you can always check my podcast out Abduction Enigma Podcast and you can find it anywhere Anchor Apple, Google anywhere you'd like so I encourage you to listen to that more fascinating talks that are not just interviews even though i love them but we're probably only going to be doing that about once a year so i wanted to let you all know all right keep kicking it so i just found out that i can get the recordings and messages from you guys so if you guys want to leave me a voice message and have it played on the podcast i'll leave the link on my facebook page you can remain anonymous put your abduction account out there if you'd like, and I'll play that, and we can discuss it. Or even just a UFO sighting. I look forward to giving this a shot. Now as far as my YouTube page goes with all the videos, I'm not big on putting all my podcasts on the videos, more or less just my interviews, so that's not going to get a whole lot of action. As it turns out, I'm more just an audio podcast kind of guy. Now with that being said, I want to thank Luke again for coming on with me. I want the ghoulies for hot rods from outer space. Just remember the UFOs want to tell you something. Keep kicking it.